Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Well, happy Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. It's been really fun to be here all week with you. Yeah, like we have like we've been with everyone, what, four days this week, five days this week? Well, yeah, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, (laughs) Thursday, Friday. Yeah, it's a lot. If you happen to have just clicked play and you don't know what we're talking about, this is part three in a three part series about family travel. Um, and it's been so fun. I was so inspired by Chelsea's conversation yesterday. Definitely go back and listen to parts one and two. Uh, they aired Wednesday and yesterday in part one, Megan, you interviewed me more about kind of taking your family to the grandparents house or making a home away from home when you're visiting with relatives. And then Chelsea's experience yesterday was totally different. It was, but I actually love the juxtaposition between, I got that whole word out. Can you believe it? Um, between the two interviews, because, you know, you were also in situations way outside of your control and, and hearing about, you know, being in other people's spaces with your babies and your toddlers and having to figure out nap time and all that, like, you know, yes, it's not being in a camper, but it's still hard. And I think that, that Mm -hmm. all the mindset tips and tricks that you shared, um, in the first episode in this, in this series were really helpful too. So I think it's yours is probably a little more relatable to most. And yesterday's, um, with Chelsea is very aspirational and cool and inspirational. Um, but they're all like the, the topics that we're going to keep hitting on, I think, are, are the themes all wrap around like control and how much planning is the right amount of planning and, and how much yeah. can we actually plan for and what do we do when things go wrong? So they all, yeah. they all fit together in my opinion. Yeah. And one thing I loved about Chelsea conversation yesterday is you don't have to go in an RV around the country to take away uh, the things that she said about how she wanted her son to grow up, you know, seeing his parents rolling with the punches when things went wrong. And there's so many great 
lessons that travel brings to our families, I tend to focus on some of like the super practical and sometimes stressful things. And then you forget that like just this family culture of adventure is so meaningful to to build. And it's not always easy, um, but it's really special. And that's kind of where we're circling around today with uh, this third episode where I am going to be interviewing you, Megan, because of course we know I'm the planner and sometimes the stressor and you are very like go with the flow and um, adaptable, flexible. So today we're going to talk about that kind of what I think is kind of natural born in you, that flexibility and adaptability and you love adventure. And so how did that play out for you when your kids were really little and you guys wanted to seek adventure, but like, yeah, your kids still had to nap too. And you still had a whole bunch of them. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about um, today where I get to interview you. Yeah. And we're also going to touch on travel envy um, because I know that's a big thing, especially right now where some people are going to be able to kind of start getting out there again and others won't, um, whether it's because the area they live in is, it's just not safe to do that or whether they don't have vaccinated grandparents to go visit or whatever it is, right? Like everyone's reality is looking very different right now. And I think that's going to, after being so cooped up for a year now, I think that's going to lead to some, some, some strain and some, um, just some stress and, and resentment perhaps. So like, we hope to touch on that. And also like just hitting adventuring with a smaller budget. You know, I had lots, many children, large families, small budget for a lot of my life as a, as a mom, especially of little kids. So we still had plenty of travel and plenty of getting out there, but it didn't look, it didn't look like something out of a magazine spread. And I think it's just important that we acknowledge that all kinds of adventure are adventure and that travel doesn't have to look like something a travel agent sets up for you. Um, and that it all counts. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. So before we dive in, let's chat a little bit more about our sponsor, Regalo Baby, and some of the ways their products can make life easier for busy families on the road. Yeah, Sarah, I did so much road tripping with my crew when they were young, and that meant a lot of stops at random family restaurants along the way, not to mention eating at roadside parks and at relatives' homes that like weren't set up for family dining, you know, fill in the blanks, right? We really loved eating as a big unit, but then the seating situation could be tricky. And then that would make it hard for mom and dad to just relax and enjoy ourselves. Yeah. And actually, even just getting out locally can be tricky like that, right? Even at restaurants, there isn't always a guarantee that you're going to find a functional, intact and like not disgusting high chair or booster to use. And in backyards and parks, you're totally on your own. Yeah. So I was pretty excited to see that our sponsor Regalo Baby has solved that problem with two different products, my portable high chair and my chair portable booster seat, both fold down and fit in an included carrying bag, which fits in your checked luggage. These could be used when your little one is eating, but they're also just a great way to safely stash a young child when you need your arms free for a bit. And that high chair tray could easily be used as a clean space to play with toys. I mean, I could totally see a toddler happily drawing or playing with Play-Doh on that booster tray. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we have really enjoyed sharing more about our sponsor, Regalo Baby, during this special series. Regalo is a family-owned business that's been selling products to make family life easier for over 25 years. And we love that they really are a family company with all three of their owners, grown kids now working there. Regalo is best known for their baby gates. So if you have a baby gate in your home, it's probably a Regalo. But they also make super convenient products for baby sleep and play on the go. And we love their focus on simplicity and functionality. If you want to check out the My Chair Portable Booster System, My Portable High Chair, or any of Regalo's other great solutions, 
Head to regalobaby.com slash the mom hour to check out the special discount they've set up just for our listeners. Again, that's regalo, R-E-G-A-L-O, baby.com slash the mom hour. All right, Megan, you are on the hot seat today and you have a ton of experience traveling with your five kids all together. Um, everything from like cross-country road trips to some regional tourism you did. So I just want to start with maybe you can talk about the types of travel your family did when your kids were little, especially. Yeah. So besides three or four trips to Florida, which didn't even start until Clara was about a year and a half old. So this was like 12 plus years into motherhood for me. Nearly all of my family's travel has been road trips. Um, and I would say for the most part of the first like eight years or so of being a mom, they were all like, like kind of like you described in the first episode of the series, Sarah, where they were all trips with a purpose. Like we weren't just packing up and going on a trip just to go on a trip. We were going to a family event or there was a reason for work we were traveling. So these are really early. Like we lived in Nashville when Jacob was a baby. And I remember us packing up and hitting the road um, from Nashville to Michigan, then from Michigan to Buffalo, New York, then back to Michigan, then back to Nashville when he was about five weeks old. Um, wow. Isaac's first road trip was when he was about five days old. And that was from Michigan to Minneapolis. Um, we were moving there to follow John's job and Isaac had been born in Michigan, but I knew I'd be following him out. But actually, John had already gone. And my brother, Buck, and I <laughs> went with uh, with Isaac and Jacob in the back and had to stop and breastfeed like every 45 minutes or something. <laughs> and then when we lived in Minnesota, we spent a ton of time going back and forth because our family was all still in Michigan, besides my two brothers who were working with John on the road. So like there was just a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, lots of road trips anywhere from like three to eight hours long, right? Sometimes a little longer. And that means like one way, one direction. Most of them were just driving to visit family and friends in the Midwest. Some were work-related. Um, we did start to branch out as we had more, was it, as we added more kids and I started writing, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I will also add, we were pretty broke most of this time. So this was truly like stripped down travel. And if there was going to be a hotel room involved, we were like, price lining it and yeah. price line did exist. <laughs> yeah. So we were just very mindful of how much we were spending on the road there. We were still doing a lot of price comparison shopping for hotels. If there were a hotel, most of the time we just tried to drive straight through. We had to think about our food budget. So there was just a lot happening with a lot of necessary road travel, whether it was family related or work related. We were on the road a lot, but it wasn't really vacation time, right? Yeah. We were very mindful of our expenditures. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, then later you were writing for magazines and you were doing quite a bit of travel writing. So this is probably when I started following you actually and reading your blog. So yeah. I'm very curious, like what that was like and how that impacted, you know, how you traveled with the kids. Well, it's funny because I think people think of travel writing as a very romantic um, mm -hmm. and like luxurious type of job. But the sort of travel writing I was doing was extremely unromantic. It felt really great at the time because we did get perks. Like we did get things pumped and we did get to travel in a way that I wouldn't otherwise have been able to afford or justify. Um, but we were doing like Midwestern travel. We were going to a lot of really kind of, you know, little small towns and little destinations that weren't very glamorous. And, um, we had to cram so much stuff into very little time and you kind of had to take what you got. So if I ended up going on a trip, 
say, to research a story. And I had to cover five things in this town for my editor. That meant I had to find five things to do in that town. Um, and I, I didn't get to just like stop wherever I wanted to on the way. Like it had to fit the parameters of the assignment. Yeah. So there were, there was a lot of me like in my family at, at the time was, this was like when Owen um, was really little up until about the time Clara was like one or two. Then we kind of stopped doing it because it got ridiculous with five, five little mm-hmm. kids. But um, it was stuff like going to maritime museums of the Great Lakes, which I actually have a real <laughs> soft spot for now, but it never would have like occurred to me that taking your kids to tour like a coast go like a Coast Guard cutter would be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, vacation like that or like these little museums that are so cool and weird in their own way, but they're not the kinds of they're just so off the beaten path. And there's something kind of retro about mm-hmm. even going yeah. to those places. Um, I believe I went to a Judy Garland museum one time. Like there's just like a whole list of like really specific museums and destinations and historical sites that we've been to. And now we have fantastic stories. Like we can talk about the time that we went to a Buffalo farm and we were all in the gift shop and Jake and Isaac were walking around. They were like playing swords with these, what looked like beef jerky. And the guy behind this older gentleman behind the cash register says, Oh, those are Buffalo penis. <laughs> the boys just <laughs> dropped them like hot potatoes. I mean, it was so funny. They were like stretched, you know, they looked like three foot long beef jerky that had been turned into like a, they were walking canes, but they were made out of oh my Buffalo's gosh. genitals. Oh so my anyway, um, lots of funny stories that we have about that kind of thing. And I think it's unique, but like it wasn't low stress. It was working travel. And so it really, um, it made, it meant that my kids got exposed to a lot of great stuff in the Midwest, usually the Midwest, um, that they wouldn't otherwise have, but it meant I was kind of working twice as hard because I was working as traveling with a lot of little kids, which is work. And I was also working as a travel writer, which is also a lot of work. So it's like, I was doing two jobs in one. And so far, no one's written me a thank you note, which I think they should. (laughs) You didn't get a promotion. (laughs) No, no, no. Okay. Well, I am sure that in those years you got even better than you naturally are at just adapting when things didn't go quite right. Uh, We talked a lot about that with Chelsea yesterday. Do you have like a mantra or like a formula or something you think about when you have to recover from a travel experience that just has gone completely off the rails? Um, so, you know, Sarah, we talked a little bit about, uh, I believe in the first episode in the series about how everyone can go to their extreme when they're first figuring this out. For, so for me, the first extreme was just believing everything was going to work out great. Mm-hmm. And then being like kind of surprised when it didn't. And then having to deal with that in the moment. And I think for you, you know, it was the other way, like yeah. anticipating problems that didn't happen and then maybe being a little bit pre-stressed. Right. And then right. we, and then we find our happy middle. So I think because of my wing it nature, I sort of expected at first, I just kind of expected everything would just work out. And then later, it was almost like I shifted into just expecting that things wouldn't work out, <laughs> but not also not actually doing anything to try to really actively prevent it. I, I got better at anticipating certain problems that I didn't want to relive, like hungry kids on, you know, on the road when there's no place to stop right. or something like that. Like I got better at anticipating that kind of stuff or diaper misadventures. Um but I'm not sure that there was any kind of like formula or even a mindset shift except to just kind of 
gently tamp down my natural inclination to gloss over potential problems. Mm. And um, I, there was no, I didn't consciously do that. I think you just learn. Yeah. You learn, like you're, in your case, you learned that sometimes trying to solve for every problem ahead of time just stressed you out more. In my case, I learned that never solving for any problem ahead of time stressed me out more. Yeah. And, I, and I, I brought myself just a few ticks in from that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I think misadventure is part of adventure. And so e- in that way, each individual misadventure gets kind of downplayed. Yeah. I love that. In a way. Yeah. I love that. Well, we touched on this at the opening, but we know that as 2021 moves along here, spring into summer, every family is going to make very different decisions about how soon and how much they travel. And we also know there are like real financial crises happening with families all over the world and in this country. So this is this gets sensitive. It could seem like if you're looking at social media that every family, you know, is jetting off to the beach or having these like tearful reunions with the grandparents. And that could be hard if you're not there yet for any reason. So, Megan, I guess my question for you, you were married young, had a bunch of kids. As you said, you were broke. I'm curious if. um travel envy or if not envy, just like times when your appetite for adventure was bigger than your ability to create it. And, and did that ever create tension in you? Cause I think there are going to be a lot of moms going through that this spring and summer. Yeah. Well, I think my appetite for adventure has always been bigger than my circumstances <laughs> allow me to dive into. So that's just a, that's just a reality that I'm dealing with. But I do think part of being young and one of the very first among my, well, the very first among my friends, but even in my family, just the second to start having kids, um, after my sister, um, I grew up in a road tripping family. Like, I think we probably could have flown places, but my dad liked to drive. We had a lot of kids. Um, I think for him, it was like a point of pride that we drove everywhere we went. And so we were a road tripping family and I didn't get on a plane until I was 22 or 23, I think. Um, so Anyway, I guess my blinders were on to a large extent mm-hmm. when I was a really young mom. The other thing is we didn't have Instagram or mm-hmm. Facebook or any kind of social media. So for me, the only examples I really saw of travel were looking around and seeing what my friends and family were doing, which was exactly what I was doing. So I didn't, I, I was so clueless. It didn't occur to me to have any envy. It really wasn't until my thirties and I, and my world started to kind of expand. I think, um, being in writing and publishing and blogging really kind of expanded my world in ways that were wonderful, but also mm-hmm. sometimes not because suddenly my friend group grew to people with very different economic realities than, than mine, very different upbringings and backgrounds. And I remember a, a friend of mine um, who I only knew online and just came from a very different family background than me, who was older, um, came from a family with more money. And she was complaining because she didn't, about never getting to go like on a real vacation. And I remember thinking, wow, but like you're traveling all the time, but to her that didn't count. And I remember having this moment where I was like, wait a second, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, um, is that something I'm in my thirties I'm entitled to, Mm -hmm. or like that is a rite of passage or that my kids are supposed to be experiencing. Um, I, I knew that packing up you know, five kids at that point and like jetting off to the tropics wasn't in the cards. So it really required me to just rewrite the narrative, um, into intentionally owning 
Like we are a family that does this the scrappy way. Like we are the family who loads up the minivan, all five kids, every kid has their own backpack. We figure out how to navigate um, these situations on the go. We all pile into a hotel room because why wouldn't we? And just kind of be like proud of it and own it Mm -hmm. rather than wishing for something that wasn't going to have. And I, I guess the takeaway from that for me is that we all have a lot of control over we don't always have control over the blinders anymore. Like it's easy to say, just don't look around, like keep your eyes on your own paper and don't pay attention to what other people are doing. But I know like now with social media, that's really hard to do, especially because we're all kind of like stuck in the house, looking outward at what other people are doing to see like for entertainment in a way and and inspiration. But we do have a lot of control over what the narrative is. We talk about when we talk to our kids about what we're doing this year and why, or what, when we talk to our spouses about our choices, um, there are always ways to shape that narrative Mm -hmm. that puts you back in the driver's seat. And I think that that was really important to me. And then, and then finally, I guess I would say that even during our brokest times, um, we had a lot going for us. I mean, I've always lived near physically beautiful places. I've always had a lot of love for my home state and exploring it, which for me might mean an hour, a half hour, mm-hmm. you know, eight hours. Like there's plenty of room to spread out and, and explore here. Um, I've always lived near friends and family. I've always had the option for vacationing to mean an almost free trip a couple hours away to mm-hmm. go visit my sister or whatever that looks like to, for the change of pace, for a little help, for just something a little bit different and seeing some new sites and, and getting to experience what it feels like to be a tourist without having to actually plan a big vacation. So not everyone has that, but I think we all have something. Mm -hmm. We all have something that we can do. We can all figure out how to explore our backyards or camp or, um, go on more day trips or find things to love about where we live. And I just think that like focusing on that gratitude, it sounds cheesy, but honestly, for me, that's always been the number one way to nip that envy in the bud because it's again, that and like, uh, rewriting the narrative, reframing it are the two things I have control over. And I don't really have control over the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to add something about that, like Instagram comparison trap that we know is such a thing right now. Um, and that is that when you, well, two things, one, the mute feature in Instagram allows you to not see someone's posts or stories and they'll never know. You don't have to unfollow them. I'm using it much more liberally than I used to, not for any vindictive reason, but just to make sure that my feed is not pinging little like like little anxiety pings all the time. So that's right. one. But but two, sometimes I think we can like get a little bit curious about that jealousy or envy and see what it is about that, like picture perfect family vacation that we're looking at. Mm. Um, Is it that they're outside and in nature? And, you know, Mm -hmm. is there a way you could recreate that closer to home? Is it that, you know, the mom looks really rested and relaxed or she got to get away with her husband and you haven't had one in two years. Like, so I think sometimes jealousy can be a little instructive if it's, the problem with Instagram and other platforms like that is like, it's like a fire hose. So it's not instructive if it's just like, if it's just bringing you down all the time, it's just generalized. Right. Exactly. But if there's one little like, Oh man, I would love that. Then there's lots to do with. I would love that. It's, it goes on a, like 
um, to dream list, like a 10 year list of something to work toward, or you find a way to do it more affordably, you know, in your current reality. So sometimes I think we can get a little curious with that, with that jealousy, but not if it's bombarding us six hours a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, as your kids got bigger, Megan, you did go on some bigger trips. I remember your big, long Yellowstone road trip that was really cool. And you traveled more for your own work and your kids. Yeah. Isaac went to Thailand and, you know, so the world yeah. got, got started to get bigger. Um, and, and you have really embraced outdoor adventures in the last few years, which I know a lot of our listeners aspire to. And Chelsea yesterday talked about the, the beauty of the outdoors and how that's such a priority for them, but it's overwhelming for people. So what would you say to moms who want that like big life adventure, outdoor adventure experience for their kids, but maybe they're just starting out uh, because at one point you, you weren't the outdoorsy backpacky Megan that you are today. No, that's true. Um, I think in my heart I was, but I think that that plays in so well to what you were just saying, Sarah, that like sometimes envy can be instructive. It can be, it can be reframed as inspiration or um, motivation to make little steps towards something. And I guess I would frame all of this by saying that where you're at right now, you may comfortably stay there for three or five or seven or 10 or 15 or 20 years. And that doesn't mean those big adventures are off the, off the table for you. Right. Like you've got time. Um, you have so much time. So I guess my first thing would be, don't feel like it, if it doesn't happen now, it won't count. Like yeah. you can go, you can go camping for the very first time with your 19 year old and it counts. Like it doesn't have to be a nine month old. Right. So those are two different, yeah. those are two different experiences. And if you really want to travel and adventure with little, little kids, that's great, but you don't have to, like, right. there's not, there's nothing that says you can't be an adventurous person if you wait and just decide it's not a priority for whatever reason. You don't have the money for the gear. You don't, um, you have so many kids. It's not worth doing. Like there's, you live in a place where maybe it just doesn't work out. Like there's lots of reasons that might just not be the time. Yeah. But say you're saying it is the time and you want to at least start. I think the advice that we would give to a mom who's going to like the beach or the zoo or the playground with her baby the first time applies here. And that is go slow mm -hmm. and start small. So let's say, um, let's say you're trying to, you want to go camping and, and what you're envisioning in your head is like the REI website where there's like a whole family and they're like hiking in the mountains, right? Okay, so maybe for you, what that looks like is renting a cabin and going for a little hike around the property of wherever it is that you've rented. Yeah. Or a yurt. Or like even KOA campgrounds have little teepees you can rent. I mean, mm -hmm. that you're sleeping outside. Everyone's getting used to the sounds and the smells and and how weird it is to have to pack all your stuff in and like and, and all the work involved, like you're getting used to that. You're getting acclimated. Um, you can pitch a tent in your backyard. You can pitch, pitch a tent in your neighbor's backyard. You can do so many little things and build up slowly. Yeah. Um, and that's going to get you there, but it's not probably going to get you there right away. If you want to jump head first in the water, great. But if you're not ready for that, then just dip a tippy toe in yeah. and Things are going to go wrong. You have to expect that. But when you start on like a small scale with a hike or like a little outing or like a, you know, a car situation where you drive up to your campsite, you're, you're kind of mitigating some of the things that are going to fall apart and how much they'll affect you. And so then it's just not that big of a deal. Yeah. And then you can go from there and you get, 
you flex those adventure muscles and you get a little better at it every time. I love that. I love that. Um, I'm definitely still aspire to more of that. I texted you from our recent little mountain cabin adventure. And I said something like, turns out footwear is really important for outdoor, <laughs> <Yes>. outdoor adventuring. <laughs> like it's almost like you need a safe space to learn what you don't know about what right. you'll need. Yes. Um, and it's tempting to want to just go get all the gear and go do it right the first time. But um, what I'm hearing you say is almost like plan for the mini fails, like plan for the instructive yeah. fails um, and then and make that part of your family culture. So I love that. Well, we are wrapping up this series and want to thank Regalo Baby for sponsoring all three episodes that came out this week. Um, again, you can visit regalobaby.com slash the mom hour for a special discount on all their gear that makes family life and traveling family life that much easier. So thanks again to Regalo Baby. Yeah. And make sure to check out the show notes and our social channels to find out more about Regalo Baby and this whole series. Because again, there was three episodes and we talked about a lot of stuff. You're definitely going to want to um, listen back with my interview with Sarah um, the other day. And then yesterday, our conversation with Chelsea and her amazing adventure with a two-year-old in a camper. Oh my gosh. All right, everyone. We will talk to you on Tuesday. We'll be back with another brand new episode and we will talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com.